What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I talk with artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On this episode, we have TJ Roberts. He's a business owner. He's a musician. He's an activist. And uh, we talk about fighting for diversity within the workplace because he is the only black man in his company within the state that he works in. He also shares the story of walking on to a D1 football program his sophomore year and the lessons he learned about building an environment that celebrates diversity of all kinds. Uh, it's a long one, but we dive into so many incredible topics. I hope you guys enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, went through some really hard stuff. Um, and then looking at it today, well, I'm still here. And there's still, right. you know, things that I learned about myself and things that I, you know, that I didn't know. And then there's things that I've also, you know, been able to kind of build a, a thicker skin for us. <laughs> So yeah, man, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting year for sure. That's for sure. No, I feel you, man. I I've often said in the last few months, it's been a year where you figure out what you, what you can live without. And, uh, even my wife and I were talking where we're, we're like, go, go, go people. Even when I used to tour with my band, I literally would be gone for like two weeks. I'd get home, I'd clean the van we'd pile the kids in the van. Then we go somewhere else <laughs> as a family. Like we're just, I'm, I've always been that way. She's a lot that way. But again, this year we've been around home and I, I think it was yesterday. I, I, we're driving around. I'm telling her, I'm like, you know, it's been, it's interesting. I feel less stressed. I feel less anxiety now because I'm not constantly running and thinking about this and this. It's like life's going on. We got to get out there. Um, so in some ways it's, it's been nice. Now, granted, I want mine going out a lot more. Like every once in a while, it's like, go get a coffee at PTs and hide in the back room where there's nobody at, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I am ready for it, but I think I feel you. I feel like I've learned a lot. I'm right there with you too, man. Um, I'm go, go, go as well. And so the slow, the, the change of pace is like, yeah, I'm still maybe go, go, go maybe here. And then like, I try <laughs> to put myself in busy situations where, Physically, I'm still getting some of that satisfaction, if you will. Like the and energy. Yeah, that exactly. The energy. Um, but then, like, I've really enjoyed, like you were saying, like, just that the slower processing mm -hmm. of things. And, like, honestly, like, for me, it's been, like, refining little things about me or what I do and how I do it, you know, differently, you know. And, yeah. and a large part of that in the business had to happen. Right. Uh, because of the things that have changed in, in our market. But then also just for my simplicity of like looking at my scout calendar and being like, oh, man, I have all day to just do this, these few things, you know, <laughs> so what, what more with my time, you know, or who do I get to connect with or network with? And so you you do a few things like you explore internally and then you explore externally. Right. And so I think this year, like I explored more in both facets. And I think that mm. I look, I look at this time of year and been like, whoa, Christmas holiday was really peaceful, actually. Right. Um, we were just talking about that know, too. We're like, it's maybe one of the best Christmases we've had, <laughs> even though it's been a lot less people. Yeah. And, and, and simple, you know, simple as well. Um, and like kind of practical if you really think about it. Um, and so it's just been, it's just been those those kind of nuances and like yeah. re revelations in my life have been like 
really, really good to receive because, you know, I looking pre-COVID, if the business and what I was doing and all the trajectory of where I felt like I was going, mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of gangbusters. Bef- I mean, I was busting Oh, you're, you're hustling, bro. You're, you're yeah, doing it. So, there was a lot of good things happening and then they did go to a halt and a lot changed during COVID as well. But looking back on it, I'm like, I don't know if that was necessarily like the healthiest thing for me emotionally to like be going through and trying to navigate um, a full year of that kind of, you know, those types, types of activities. So it just, it's just, it changed things and you just refine and then you try to simplify, you know, I think another thing too, is like a lot of people, um, who have family members and kids and, and whatnot have have told me multiple times like they've spent more time with their kids yeah because of covid and they've learned to value a lot more of that time with them rather oh, yeah. than you know run into practices and recitals and school functions and activities it's just been like hey we, we have a meal every day at, at five o'clock this is weird and so <laughs> there's been you know just That's some so really true, cool man. conversation yeah. And so that I think that's been good, though, for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, to slow that down and, and to have that pace. I mean, it's just and, and back home, you know, where I'm from, like there's it's a slower pace of life, as you know. Right. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's like here you don't realize that even two hours away, there's people that are completely like probably more than a million people are forgetting like the realness of their life and the reality of their relationship with their kids or their friends or the family and close ones so it's very unique how different the lifestyles are between like small town usa and then city you know i would say we're we're getting to be a big city here um but yeah yeah. no i feel you it's a it's a different vibe but that's yeah so with like like music and stuff like how how i i mean in kansas city like there's not a great big platform that is like developed or created or followed mm. um, by the masses, I will say. Right. I'm sure there are some out there. I'm just not aware of. But I mean, how how has the market in Kansas City as far as changed towards music? Because I know like there are some local places that have tried to have outdoor events with music and live right. live performance and things like that. So like, is are those are those gigs still kind of happening? Um, you just have to have a good in, or are you basically, if you were an independent artist, you're just, you're SOL. Uh, as an independent artist, if you're strictly an original artist, like the original music, the club kind of thing where bands are like writing, recording, trying to get their stuff out of there, from my understanding, is pretty much dead. And uh, the big parts like Record Bar, The Rhino, those are huge venues uh, that have always supported local artists and they're struggling to hold on. And uh, like there was a benefit for the record bar. I was part of a benefit for the Rhino, just wanting to see them continue and move forward. Now, now they're restructuring things. I know the Rhino's doing, they, they've they like rented out space and they're creating like a photo studio. Ben McBee's you know there. Ben McBee? Yeah, I actually just did my photo shoot with them last week for my 2021 uh, branding stuff. And yeah, cool. so he's... He's doing that kind of stuff. They're running. I think you you were doing a show there out of there. I yeah, I saw you there filming was, there. I was a t- I was tied to an uh, to a production crew that was doing that. I like recently, like maybe the last month or so, like stepped away from the production crew that I was working with just because yeah. like there was an ethical business sense happening, uh, and 
as I was bringing those things up to them, they just didn't really care. And I'm like, well, that stuff is important to me because I'm, I'm an ethical business person and I don't want to be around something that's not. So kudos to you, my man. Yeah. So I just decided to walk away. And so that was something that was like, it was hard because like, I have that goal, right. That I mentioned to you of, of doing. Um, but it's since kind of shifted into something that is still possibly going to happen. It's just going to happen with some different people involved and, and definitely for the better, you know? And, and when, when I left them, I was like, Hey, like no bad blood, like my, my, like, thought process and business and ethics aren't, aren't valued here and aren't needed. So I'm just going to go somewhere else where I feel like they will be. And that's such a critical, I think that's a critical skill though, to be able to know what you want and what you believe, what your values are and not, not turn away from them. Yeah. Even if it means it's going to cost you. I've, I've definitely had to leave some places uh, in the past uh, one place was a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money and found out they're basically committing insurance fraud. And I even wrestled with it because it was a lot of money. And I was like, I just can't, I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night. I don't want to do this, yeah. you know? And so that's kudos to you, man. So, so you're, you're like, it feels like you're everywhere. Even, even in 2020, I see you on, you know, magazine covers and, <laughs> or, or like magazine posts or something. There's no, yeah. I don't really see covers oh. of things, but no, you're so right. you're, let's cover some of the things real quickly. So you own, you're in insurance, right? And I'm in insurance. Yeah. What's the so company? Own, yeah. So I'm an independent, yeah. I'm an independent, um, contractor with a company called Farm Bureau Financial Services. Yeah. Um, and, I've been doing that since I was 23 years old. So I started that business in 2015. um, And I had done insurance sales with a prior company called AAA Insurance before. At AAA, I was was more like I was a W-2 employee. So I was I was kind of told when to show up, how many calls to make, what's, you know, that kind of thing. And I and I actually really enjoyed that. I learned a lot about the insurance industry. But like, as you know, like my dad being an entrepreneur, my mom yeah. kind of having some of those entrepreneurial traits as well, like seeing my parents be bosses and not so much from the boss standpoint, because, you know, like I saw my dad be a boss, you know, and get get on the people. But I also saw my dad like have a lot of integrity and a lot of mm-hmm. respect from people I worked with like you and others and and then that integrity. Yeah. And so like that to me was those were really quick like you were talking about the values that I wanted to carry as a business owner. Right. And so in 2015, I saw that opportunity with Farm Bureau. So I took advantage of it. I'm the only African-American employee of uh, the state of Kansas for the company. Now that was um, something I, I saw online. Cause I'm going to stop you there. Like my mouth dropped when you shared, yeah. you shared this really cool thing. That was one thing that, you know, we've been friends for I'm, shit. I've known a long you time since you were like 13. Like I was little, man. Even yeah, little, I was, probably, I was uh, way younger. That's than true. Probably like, probably like eight or nine <laughs> is when is when you you know your talents really came into my world, and that was your gotcha. Voice with that's crazy Club, that baby. I've known you that that long, man. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. But um, and your dad helped me get through college because he gave me a job, uh, which was amazing. So, uh, but anyway, so I'm I'm looking and reading like all the things you've accomplished, which I know you've always been successful, been on this great success, tr- success track, but then reading that. So the only African-American, uh, owner in Kansas yeah, business owner. Yeah. Business owner in Kansas. So there's not, That's wild. Another Af- 
Yeah, there's not another African American, not even in customer. I found out the other day, not even in customer service. Like, there's not an African American in, in Kansas. So you're in breaking Kansas. some huge barriers, and now there's for a lot you, to overcome for sure. Yeah, right. So for and, you, and it's still happening. It's go ahead. Sorry. It's still is you know it's still a process. You know, with this year with everything going on socially. Um, you know, I did, I did some really bold moves with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was rookie of the year with this company in 2016. Nice. Um, and then also have been a top, uh, you know, top, there's 1800 agents out of seven states mm-hmm. of those seven states. There's about 1800, um, like I said, and there's probably six, if I remember correctly, African-Americans employed out of those 1800. So it's a very, yeah, it's a very, That's very wild. small number. I remember I hired uh, an assistant who spoke Spanish uh, um, and um, we didn't have anyone in billing till 2019 that spoke Spanish. That's, that is wild. But it's, it seems like Elisa door is cracking. Uh, it's, a door, it's a door that's minorities coming into the company. Yeah, there, there's, there's a, I mean, it's a, you, a little bit of lights coming through, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's barely enough to peek through, but it's, it's definitely a conversation that like our company has been having, uh, I've been having with our company. And that was something mm. that was honestly, I did not, inv- I will say, I did not professionally invite them on that communication. I honestly publicly called them to a, to a conversation. And that was okay. just where I was just, uh, you know, we get these internal emails um, Mm -hmm. and we have been getting them on Fridays really since COVID. And it's just this big CEO email from the CEO, like, great job. Keep up the good work. Great job. Uh, Keep making money. And uh, (laughs) we're going to make it. And, and, and about five weeks after George Floyd, there was an email that was put out that was, it didn't talk specifically about the situation, but it shed some vague foreshadowing over it. And it mentioned diversity and inclusion. And I was just like, Oh, well, that's interesting. Because no one has called me at this point within the company. And you literally are the diversity at that point. Literally, literally defining it, the diversity. Yes. And so, (laughs) so then like a week goes by, And the following week on Friday, there was another email. It was more about the diversity and inclusivity um, topic, but it was like, this is all the things we're doing about it. You know, Mm -hmm. here's all that we're talking about it. And I'm like, I'm like, excuse me, like my phone is not ringing. Like, who are you talking to? Because like, (laughs) I'm not getting talked to. So then I just got mad. Okay. And so I did some research. I found... A plethora of companies that had publicly said something about either gay rights, because I wanted <clears> to also <throat> include them in that conversation. That's awesome. But gay rights and then African Americans. And so if I didn't see anything about that on their public scene of social media, I basically called every business that hadn't and said, hey, and pointed the finger at them and said, you know, this is something that has been going on for such a long time i mean you really can't put it's 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 in the centuries you know it's it's been going on for such a long time it's that long um and and so there's i guess what i'm trying to say is the the amount of people that i were around me that just woke up to racism in 2020 
literally was shocking. Like yeah. could if, not believe. I've walked a similar road. Like, like people who yeah. are, I had a friend come up to me and just shaking his head, you know, like I just had no idea this even existed. And, and I, I had to share with him, like I went through the same process in my early twenties because I, I mean, bro, if you were, yeah. if you were, if you were with your talent in music, mm-hmm. right. And, and you were a white person. Yeah. Right. Boy, would your look world look different? But, I mean, I mean like, like, even for me though, I went through this strange kind of acceptance of it in my early twenties because though I'm Puerto Rican, I look like I'm white. I walk into a room, I'm a white guy. I, I live like a white dude, you know? <laughs> like no one just judges me automatically when I walk in the room. Um, except often I get asked if I sell weed. So that's a whole other conversation, but apparently I put off a vibe. Uh, on that. <laughs> Maybe it was when I used to wear a beanie during the middle of July. Maybe that's what like tipped it off. That's in the probably tat- what did it, man. In the that's, tattoos. But yeah. And I grew up in a very diverse family. Uh, we had Puerto Ricans, we had black people, we had white people, Germans, Dutch. And so I thought racism was over until my friends who were black started explaining the things that they went through and they lived through. And even now my oldest son who's 16 and he's, he's mixed, he's Mexican and African-American, um, starting to see the world through their eyes. And there's a shift, there was a shift for him where he was super cute and then he started getting followed by police. And there, and it was like, and all my other kids look white or are white. One is, is completely white. The other one is Puerto Rican and white, but they all appear white. None of them have the same problem. And so it's like, I had to start opening my eyes, but then now I'm seeing, like you said, like over this last year, so many people who it's just not in their realm, uh, to mm-hmm. open up, but you're and so, so you're in this conversation with them trying to challenge them at this point, their reception yeah. is, is, was there a good reception? What did that look like? It's still ongoing. So yes and no. Uh, you know, at this point, looking at as me, we've talked probably as far as me having direct conversation with the state local leadership, as far as like vice president and sales and those types of people and HR. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had a handful. We probably had two or three conversations, and nothing is really no move. No, nothing is really no actionable things have happened. Okay. Um, but the conversation started out like, I mean, think about it from their perspective for a second. They just got called out publicly by one of their own sales reps right? that they're being disingenuine and dismissive over something that has happened over the centuries. Yeah. And and there's no, there's nothing that you can't, you can't argue it. Yeah. You know, like, well, people try to argue it, but you can't can't honestly argue it. (laughs) There's no way. And, and, and so like my company reached out to me when that first happened, when I first called them out and they were like, what do we need to say? What, what can we say? What, what is something, give us examples and so forth. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm getting paid for that. Number one, you know, if you want to start, I'll, I'll do some research if you want to start paying me, but I'm mm-hmm. not paying to fix your guys' problem. You have people that you employ for that. Right. If you need to employ someone for me, I'll, I'll let you know what my rate is, you know? And, and then second, second of all, you know, I don't, I shouldn't have to solve my company's own problems. Like yeah. these are, these are common sense, practical, like just follow the Bible's golden rule, treat each other as you would treat mm-hmm. yourself. I mean, let, let's just start there. Right. right. Um, and so there was just, a, there was some conversation, but that conversation 
did yield them to say something publicly and, and post something publicly on LinkedIn and on Facebook and things about equality and inclusivity. Um, right. And more along the lines of like, we wanna, we, 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 we love serving our clients who are from all these different backgrounds. And so we think and acknowledge that basically right. is what the gist of that post was. Um, but since then, uh, to be honest, it's really hard. It's really mm -hmm. hard from my perspective because you're an angry black man or a woman pointing mm -hmm. out to a white person that they're being, that, that what they're saying or what they're doing isn't enough. And, right. and, and on their side, it's really easy to dismiss that. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, on our side, it, it just makes us more angry, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're- Because now you're being at, written off at this point. Uh, yeah. So where we're so where we're at is we had that discussion and that mm -hmm. discussion didn't go anywhere good. But the okay. way that it did in my defense, and this is from my opinion, is that <clears throat> at one point I had my manager, we were on Zoom, I had my manager, my vice president and HR. We're having this discussion. We're going back and forth. There's some big like there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension in the discussion and in the topic. <laughs> and basically at the very end, we had, we had to, we had the end of the discussion because it was very intense. It started getting mm -hmm. very intense. And, and just for professional, you know, I, I respect all of the people that were on the call and had no bad blood against them personally. We were just talking about mm -hmm. something that was very, very difficult for both people to right. fully verbalize and understand. And I just said, I just said, you know, one of the things that they just said, we, we just don't like the tone you're using. We don't yeah. like your tone. That was, that was literally what I was like, no, okay. okay. And I just said, and, and our vice president, <laughs> like, I don't like the racism and the structural things that are yeah, built yeah. against all the. <laughs> exactly. But, but again, there's like how, as a person of color, like, how do you present that in a way that's not angry? Right. I mean, because it's, right. it's impossible to take your emotion out of that because we've all experienced it to some degree. And that's a position so, of authority where now they're trying to take control, whether they know it, whether it's passive or in, very intentional, like it's, it's a sign of I am in control. Like those are the conversations I have with my kids. Yes, like, hey, yes. watch your tone when you're talking to mom. Exactly. But so when you're a grown ass man trying to have a real conversation. Yes. <laughs> so I flipped the script on them because the vice president is a female and I reached out to her and or, uh, we gave our closing thought, thoughts and she said in her closing thoughts that she was very upset and she was really sad and okay. she was very emotional when she was talking about this. So I know it was coming from a very authentic and sincere place because right. she does, again, we both have respect for one another. Mm -hmm. When it got to my turn, I said, Michelle, I have great respect for you and I really care about you. And I know these things have nothing to do with our relationship personally but we both can agree that things need to change. And you had mentioned that my tone wasn't appreciated. I said, Michelle, you have kids, am I correct? And she says, yeah, I have kids. She's in her fifties. And I said, Michelle, um, you ever told your kids to not touch something? And she's like, yes, I've told them many times in their lifetime, don't touch this, don't touch that. I was like, cool. <laughs> when it got to a point where you kept having to remind them for maybe even years, maybe decades. Did you start saying, if you touch that one more time, I'm gonna spank you, or you're gonna get grounded, or you're gonna get in timeout, so forth. And she goes, right. absolutely. I said, that's my tone. That's good. And she sat back in her chair 
just like, like this. Damn. And she was like, okay, I understand. Hmm. And and that's where we ended at. And that that has that was our first discussion. And and that has slowly started to become more fruitful because we're right. both in that, like there is more understanding on one end where they can understand where I'm coming from, but they're they're and 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 in some degree, you know, I'm I'm 1099, so I'm I'm an independent contractor. So there's only so much they can go right. as a company that's not in charge of TJ Roberts LLC. Which is nice being but, the boss. Which is nice being the boss. Exactly. <laughs> so so we've just been having this discussion and it's it's slowly yeah. turning into maybe like a diversity and inclusive uh, um, you know committee that that's across the company um, mm-hmm. that I would I would help organize and and we would you know my goal would be that we would create a, a different merit structure because there's some things that have happened in my career with this company where uh, I don't feel appreciated or valued as a business owner mm-hmm. um, and and there's been a lot of things that have like happened financially. Uh, that could have happened and really been a huge benefit to my business financially based off of my work ethic and my credentials and, you know, the so forth of that, that my company has overlooked because Hmm. of nitpicky things or, oh, this guy was married. We saw the 300 clients that he could get. We we saw that benefiting him more than that you. And I'm like, but I'm working three times and selling five times more than that guy. Why would you not you know, and so there's just a lot of that things. And so like I was find like, a way to true meritocracy. Yeah, to truly merit this situation. So that way, as a company, looking at it from a standpoint as a company, mm-hmm. I can't say I'm not getting the same treatment that everyone else is getting because of my color. <clears throat> right. And then and then and when I said that, they go, because hmm? they're like, oh, snap, like you actually do have grounds here and you're actually like. Yeah, yeah, you probably have every right to be pissed off, but you're trying to help us out at the same time. And so it's like there, there's that like that beginning phase of conversation with with that. And so that's been good, but it's yeah. it's gonna take it's gonna take so much time, man. It's gonna take so much time. Well, it and, sounds and like you're, nation, yeah, it sounds like you're dealing with this as best as you possibly can because the reality is is that anger is a very real thing and yes. and it's coming from a very real place. Like it's been interesting uh, understanding more of Malcolm X, where a lot of people saw him as the angry black man and Martin Luther King, the nice, the nice black man who's going to come in and, and right. smooth things over, which in reality, there was a lot of things that King was doing behind the scenes, uh, not him per se, but his crew uh, that were yeah. stirring shit up too. Yes. Um, but it's, it's interesting when you look at history and how Malcolm X came across as this angry black man. But when you understand his words, when you see what he's talking about, it's coming from a very real and powerful place. And yes. it, there's never, and, and it's like you talk about gay rights, you talk about uh, rights for people of all different colors. Like there, there is a place to stand on that anger. Like they shouldn't have to, they shouldn't have to like cower to people. Yes. They should be able to be strong and, and be able to be who they are. And I think that same thing we saw as women fought for their own rights where they had to, in some ways, come across as submissive, but in reality, there's these strong women who are ready Absolutely. to lead, who are ready to get out there, but people were holding them down. So no, they shouldn't have to cower to the authority. And it becomes about power structures at that point. 
Yeah, and I also think it's it's power structures, and it's also like it's almost devaluing the power structure because mm-hmm. I have to I have to prove that the systemic situation that's happening in our world is actually false, mm-hmm. right? I have to I have to prove like like um, this was a funny conversation. I, I, President's Day came up this year, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. "What's your favorite president?" Worst discussion, worst question to ask online because during an election year, holy crap. In a crazy ass election year. Uh, yeah, crazy ass. Yeah. And, and so, and so someone said George W. Bush and, and, and then, you know, I, I, I messaged them. I mean, they said George W. Bush and they gave me their, all, all the reasonings. And I messaged them and I said, how much do you know about George W. Bush? Mm. They go, oh, well, you know, he was a great president, you know, this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, like. He does paintings. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And his teeth were wooden. But but it's like <laughs> George Washington. I, I said, do you know how George Washington died? And oh, you're go, talking hmm. Washington himself. Oh, yeah. you had said um, Bush. Uh, I thought you were talking about Bush. Yeah, yeah sorry. I meant Washington. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's and so. And so I'm like, do you know how George Washington died? And they're like, no. I mean, and they're like, yeah, he died of pneumonia. I'm like, do you know how he got pneumonia? And they were like, no. I was like, he was having sex with a slave's wife, with his slaves. And his wife found out and locked him out of the house. I didn't know And that. he got sick and died. Damn. That is how George Washington died. George Washington <laughs> loved black women. <laughs> and his wife locked his ass out of the house. That he was in wife. charge of the whole country. And that's when the, everyone should have known women are truly powerful. <laughs> that's exactly my point, man. So like, I don't but care that you but, ran the country. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that is something that's not taught in schools. You know, that is, those are, there are things that we pull out of our system every single day that our kids are, are ingrained into mm. that we as maybe even as an adolescent or people responsible for their knowledge, like we mm. don't realize, you know, and it's, it's because like, it's the systemic of what this is created on is, is false. And right. some of that is true and some of it's false. And so that's, that's been a, a unique thing. And, and, and I think the other thing too, with, with this year is, you know, the election, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, with everything going on, I have black lives matter signs and I'm the only business down the street that has black lives matter signs in front of my door. Right. I felt like it was fitting for my skin tone. Um, but man, the amount of people that walk by this year because <clears throat> of Trump and Biden and that whole thing, um, and then all the social injustice. I mean, I can, I have huge 12 foot wide windows mm. and people will walk by and they'll see the signs and they'll forget that it's in a window and they'll make a face or they'll say something underneath their breath mm. and I can hear it or I can see it. And then they finally make eye contact with me, uh, Miguel and dude, absolute embarrassment absolute shame absolute literally coward walking away when they realized that i saw what they said or or did right and 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 it's funny to me how that what that looks like i mean like from their perspective to my like Mm -hmm. i'm always like why are they ashamed of what i mean if that's really the way they feel why are they ashamed well and unfortunately there's i feel like there's a lot of people who used to whisper things in their living room to a spouse or to a friend uh, where now we, we see it more in the public sphere and things that people, uh, in, in some ways it's kind of heartening to know that someone at least had some shame about it. Cause unfortunately I've seen a lot of people 
carry some views recently where they don't have shame anymore and oh. they're totally you know i there's well, i question the shame if it's the shame because they know it's the it's it's majority like like it's it's a very out what the way that they're thinking the way that they're responding is outspoken to what the the masses would say or agree with. right i wonder why where like where is the where shame, the shame is coming from yes yeah well, and that's where i feel like there's there's got to be some people like i know somebody uh, who has experienced racism. They are a minority, uh, but they are vehemently against any of the protests, not even like the destruction, destructive protests, because now you have to have conversation about protests and riots and all that, which yes. is a whole other deep conversation. But um, but they they celebrate the running over of protesters. And, and when I confronted them on it, they just doubled down. And I was like, I was right by a, a car that almost ran over protesters. And I can tell you what the situation was. And they just doubled down. And I'm like, you've experienced racism. You know what that's like to live as a minority. And they, they don't even see it. So there, there are certain things that I, I can't even fathom. I don't even understand. Uh, maybe it's part of tribalism. They see themselves uh, in this particular camp. Uh, liberal, I'm pretty liberal, so liberals can see themselves in that same way. Because, uh, you know, but what has been encouraging i'm getting off on a tangent but is Fine. i've seen a lot of liberals kind of speak out against even things they're seeing in the current um administration or the upcoming administration where they're already seeing some things like hey we need to call that out um, yeah and there's there's been there's been to to wrap that up like there's been some self-awareness to mm. to uh with this election year probably more so than there ever has been because mm. of like all of the stories with Facebook under extreme scrutiny this year, it probably favored the authenticity of the election. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, uh, because, <laughs> yeah, because, because people are like, well, if Facebook is having any influence in my thought process in this, then I need to probably do my own research right. and figure out my own, my own, you know, my own reasonings. And so I think that has been happening more so this year. And you are starting to see people that are, looking more from a selfless uh, point of view uh, mm. rather than themselves, even though they hadn't maybe experienced racism themselves or, mm. or maybe they had, but I think that to the, to the point of this person that you mentioned is like, like people will look at my black lives matter sign and be like, Oh, he's a Democrat and he supports black lives matter. And it's like, th those are the things like, yeah, that's, that's actually what's the problem. Like it's right. actually the, the fact that you see that and then you come up with these categories and these, these niches of box. groups that people are in a box. And I'm like, look, I'm a black guy that actually appreciates some country music. Right. And I enjoy indie rock. And the Beatles is one of my top 10 bands. Like, I mean, like I, I could go on and on about how maybe I'm a little bit different than the average African-American, <clears throat> but it's just unique. And, and so I think like, I really fight myself on making sure I don't categorize yeah. people. and put. That's people a good reminder. Cause I, I had a, I had a guest whose his episode is coming out soon, but he often, he's a big dude, tattoos, all this. And he often found him, we had a conversation about that where people automatically judge him as a certain kind of person. The moment he walks yeah. in the door and he's like, and I'm not equating it to like what, you know, he made it clear. Like I'm not equating it to like what minorities go through because that's a whole other level of thing he said but 
I, I feel like I, I catch a glimpse of why it would be so hard because people just judge automatically. Um, we're like, I, I like, I, I'm into guns and that's one of my like hobbies, but I'm also ultra liberal. And I said to a friend of mine, I was like, they're, they're going to pull my liberal card <laughs> here soon. And, uh, and he goes, why does it have to be that way? Like, why can't yeah. you have a real conversation? Cause, it's cause a I am empathetic joke, to, Miguel. Uh, it's yeah, still a funny it was joke. funny. It was funny. But, uh, but he, you know, he brought up a good conversation. Like, why does it have to be that way? Where can we have, and I think the biggest thing is what I even hear in your conversation is the nuance of it. Like, I'm willing to have these tough, hard conversations about all the details. Like, it doesn't fix it just to put something up about inclusivity. Um, we have to have real conversations and it doesn't fix it just to ignore the problem either. So how mm-hmm. do we get into the nuts and bolts of every day? How does, how does our life work? How does our company work? Which seems you're going through. But you, you yeah, have kind of a, oh, go ahead. And one oh. of those things with that too, and, and what you're talking about, and we'll get, jump into where you're, you're asking, but like okay. one of the things too is in my business, man, how many, just, just for example, how many white or how many, Af- I mean, next to the new Jake, because there was an old Jake, an there's old a new Jake. Jake to State Farm. Okay. And, and, and next to that, I mean, there was no representation for African-Americans in mm. the insurance industry at all. And so for me, it's, I have to have accolades up, like my degree, which is Mm -hmm. over here uh, on a different desk, or I have to show like all the awards that I've won with this company to really show that I'm educated, right? Or that I have a college degree and that I know what I'm talking about. Rather than maybe if I was white, I walk into a room and say, hey, I'd like to invest your half a million dollars, Mr. Smith, that Mr. Smith just goes ahead and go, all right. Here you go, man. And just, <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen for me. There's right. a lot of getting to know me with my clients because they do have those unbiased thoughts about, right. you know, people. And 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 that's like subconsciously assumed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's unique. And and having those conversations and, and with that man is like part of this whole thing this year has been one of the most challenging things because you check your support i have checked my support system so hard miguel that if people just didn't do or not do what i said they would do or if they weren't aware or comprehensive to what was happening around their world and i i mean you know my parents pretty well i mean i'm Mm -hmm. challenging my parents to stop reading or not to just read fox news right right (laughs) stop just reading fox news mom like everything you're receiving is, is there's an agenda to it. So let, let me give you someone else's agenda. Let me give you someone else's understanding or some Mm -hmm. other point of view. And so like with that and checking my system and, and all that has been, how do I respond and have these really difficult conversations while I'm continuing to honor the Lord? Cause that Mm -hmm. to me is the most important thing. And then number two, like as an, african-american christian like how am i responding to what is happening in the world and how am i doing that in a way that's like promoting and glorifying god's characteristics on this earth through an through a black man um and i don't imagine how much of a struggle that would be yeah it's 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 been challenging it's been difficult but i mean like that's that's kind of where i'm at like that's kind of where i'm centered at and every once in a while man i'll have a spat you know i'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) but i think that is part of it where if we're going to have real conversations with people that 
that anger and emotions are going to like, you, you see that in marriage. It's, it's like yes. my wife and I, we've been coming up on like 11 years here and we've had, you know, huge fights. Thank you. <laughs> and, and we've had to talk about hard things, but usually it's after those, those things. And when you, you calm down and if you really want to have that relationship, whether it be friend yeah. or marriage or, or coworkers that it's after those things. Now there, unfortunately there are certain things that un at least I found this year have become irreconcilable. Um, and that's hard and maybe not even irreconcilable, but I've equated it to, I've burned some bridges and I burned them. Not that they can't be rebuilt, but yeah. one, I'm not going to be responsible for rebuilding them mm-hmm. Two, to rebuild them. They're going to have to put a lot of work in and they're going to yeah. have to show like there is change that has happened. And that's, it's been a way that I used to not do that in my life. I used to never believe in and burning those bridges. But what I found was I was allowing myself to be around toxic people who ended up becoming in a way like draining for me. And so I had a draining and just weighing you down. And, you know, and I, I, I like to have less, less distractions, more fun activity, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm all about like, what I do is really boring. I try to make it fun. So I kill everything with enthusiasm. Yeah. Like watching you online, it makes insurance look really interesting and fun. It's like this dude is, it's, which I do love. Like you seem to be about the community and building up, not just like making money, but you want to build a brand. And I think brand has become some negative connotations. But when I say brand, it's like the overall culture that you're trying to disseminate into the world. It seems like you're, you're, focused on that, which I love. What, what inspires yeah. you to build that kind of brand through, through your business? Uh, honestly, probably like a few, few years back, I really started to look around me a little bit more. Uh, when I entered every meeting room at Farm Bureau, I started to look around the room. When I started to look at the insurance industry in the metropolitan of KC, I started to look around the room when I started to look at small businesses and how they support their communities and nonprofits, I started to look around the room and I started to find really, really uh, just like sad statistics around all of those things Hmm. and was really like, well, what if I really pushed into the minority of those statistics? What if I was the anomaly to those statistics? What would that look like? What would I have to do? What would that have to take? What would be some things that I would have to sacrifice, you know? Um, and some of that was like, you know, the love of money. Like everyone loves money. Money is great. It, it can get you to here and maybe in a few years, Mars. But like what money doesn't allow you to do is it doesn't, it doesn't actually buy you the most important thing. And I, I think what I've realized more so, and maybe you can agree with me this year, is time. Mm-hmm. Time is, time is, man, it, it is, it is not a finite like thing. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it can go and come and, you know, we only get one day, you know, we're only going to have one December 28th, you know, when we, when we did this, but there's yeah. only going to be one, one time. And so really when I started to factor that and I wanted to look at the statistics and then look at like the impact that I wanted to make both in my community and in my life, like, mm-hmm there was like a few like one-liners like one of my favorites is i have friends not problems Hmm. and so i've always wanted to have a really good group of people that i could trust that i could really like cling to hold me accountable in my trajectory of my growth as a as a leader and as a business owner but also just as a person you know and so 
I started to surround myself by friends that were like-minded, that were also yeah. selfless, that were also successful and wanting to do more for others. And so that was number one. And then number two was just, man, I get so much satisfaction seeing people work together. Collaboration and the, honestly, it's a mystery to me why people don't collaborate more. Um, you know, here in Mission, where the business is, uh, I've really focused, and that was the biggest part about building community that worked together. Mm -hmm. um, we had like, you know, your, your people that live in the community, and then we have your people that don't live in the community that just come into work. Um, and then being on the city board and getting more comprehensive, like statistics of the city and like the demographics and those types of things, I started to see how they all kind of related to one another and how they worked. That's and, good. and we really started to, I started to kind of like, I don't know if you will, like be a mat, like, like a chemist or something. Like I was like, oh, let's sprinkle a little bit of that. Let's sprinkle, sprinkle a little bit of this. And we just started doing like, you know, we did like a community wide event where we did sidewalk sales. And that was solely for during COVID um, with retailers that were mm -hmm. really having a hard time, you know, making ends meet as I would get to go, you know, big part of my business was like, when I moved my business to mission, it was I, my focus and the mission of that move was like to be the best friends to the city soul, you know? Cool. And so like my biggest goal was I need a long-term lease. I need to be here for a very long period of time and show my face a lot. And it'll be an extremely disservice to the community and to myself and to the business. If after six years, someone sees me and doesn't go, Hey TJ, you know, in mission and know what I do and what I'm about. Those are the types of things. So that's the branding, right? That was like, the branding. I like that right there. Like that as a measurement, like if someone in six years doesn't see me and, and they can't recognize who I am, what, like you said, what I'm about, well, I don't know. I just feel like what you just said was so yes. critical and so important. Uh, I, I how, think it's really important for, for any small, yeah. And any, any small mom and pop business, it, like sales is changing a lot. Sales mm. is on the, the sales industry. Look at car industry over the last 10 years. Mm. If you look at car industry now, 10 years ago, if someone 10 years ago told you that you could go to a place and you could do a, a, an actual like pinball machine approach to buying a car and have it shipped here to Kansas City at Carvana and yeah. taken home, like it was a little token, like someone would look at you and be like, that's crazy because someone's going to want to negotiate the price or they're going to want to have finance options or, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Now, literally now you can do that all ahead of the time. And, and it's changed to where it's more serviceable for their consumer to come in and make it easier and a better experience. Are you familiar with uh, Daniel Pink's book to sell as human? Uh, I don't think so. At all. If, if you ever get a chance, uh, definitely check that one out. It, and he breaks down the shift that has happened over the last decade, uh, what you're really talking about and where it used to be uh, buyer beware. And now it's, he calls it vendor beware because now the consumer has all the power. Like I, yesterday I was in Lowe's debating whether I wanted to buy a snowblower and I'm looking up prices. I'm looking at prices at Home Depot. I'm looking at like, I can see everything. And so, yeah, now I've literally made choices. I didn't buy the snowblower, but in other contexts, I've made choices off of, where, where do I feel like they actually are going to care about what we're doing? And I've left places that I, I, I used to go to that were more expensive. Like we went to a place that 
that was more expensive for a service we needed just because they did so much care. But then they started getting big and they lost that like customer service thing. And we kept paying the higher prices because we liked them and we liked what they were about in the service. But eventually we just left because we're like, after two years of seeing them push us aside, it's like, it's just not worth it anymore. So yeah, it's And, and it's I a think the Midwest, thing. you're right. And I think the Midwest yeah. motto is people do business with people they like mm-hmm. in the Midwest. And and it's, yeah, it, you know, I've, I, I've had clients that I've sat down with, you know, and, and we just do things a little bit differently where, where you know, I, I call myself, I'm the, I'm the boutique insurance guy. And I'm the guy that also knows a guy because I network all the time. And I'm going to put my best foot forward in, in any, you know, anything that make your world easier and better. Like that's, right. that's my goal, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when I see people like make recommend, ask for recommendations about landscapers, you're like, I'm oh, always right. like, well, yeah, but then I'm always like, boy, you're going to get probably five bad ones before you get one good one, yeah. you know? And, and rather than I know people that I've, I've seen do quality work. I've had customers refer to me or this, that, and the other. And, and I know that their craftsmanship and skill and care to their services, you know, expert, you know, is, is great. But I, I think from the backup, like, I think the biggest thing with that was just the boutique insurance. And so yeah. I thought of myself as like, if, if you're a, if you're a JE done or you're KU med or you're, I, they just got bought out, but um, you know, Garmin, if you're a mm-hmm. huge company, and you pay a health insurance premium and a home and auto, like a, like an auto and home premium or whatever. And you're, you're paying, you know, you're writing a half a million dollar to a million dollar check to creative planning for all of the services that they provide for your insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you go in there and creative planning has uh, in home, like an in-house chef where they can make hors d'oeuvres for the meeting and they can offer you a Coke and a really nice coffee and, you know, all these cool little things and they can shine your shoes and send you on your way and collect your check. And that that's that. And, and a lot, a lot of companies like that, they have annual reviews and, and they, they do that to manage their funds. Right. Um, consumers don't do that. Consumers mm-hmm. literally, I, I, could do a, a, a survey of over the consumers that I have worked with, where I say, "How? When's the last time you saw your guy?" Nine times out of ten, Miguel, they're like, "Uh, a guy." Man, uh, what guy? Like, I is it mainly just you, about like I just want to take care of it and move on because I got so many other things to do? Or is that what it is? Most of it is that it's it's an inconvenience to them. They mm-hmm. see it as an inconvenience, and so that's again from my perspective, I have to get in the mind of a consumer to make it less inconvenient. That's smart. Okay, so we, we run things the same way. And so clients that I've had for four years, they know exactly what they're walking into when I do this. So we, we offer an annual review and we offer that habitually to any single person that we work with. Yeah. Um, we do that electronically. We do that in my office. I do that with a campaign call company. So you're getting touched on. And we are inviting you to come in and have an annual meeting to sit sit down and do exactly what creative planning does, do exactly mm-hmm. what Garmin does, and sit down and go through your stuff. Because I always explain to people, discounts are just like coupons from the store. They have expiration dates. Yeah. So if you don't see your guy for years upon years, you lost your expiration date on your coupons and your <laughs> discounts and savings. And, You're just and also you're just trapped. And also to the other, other extent, I always think about this with state farm, they have a discount double check. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of like, 
if you really reverse engineer that thought process, that you should call your insurance agent to have him double check to see if you're getting all of the discounts that you should have already been getting. Right. That's that's what we're going to go with on the marketing. And it works. <laughs> and I, I, I always am just like, people are so like, we, you know, at insurance agents, like we all talk smack on the big dogs and that's progressive and state farm because like they do so much stuff and throw so much money like, in places. It's so big, we can just do this. I, we literally like, I don't understand how it works, but it works. <laughs> and, and, and it's just because you have people in insurance that just don't have good understanding of insurance. Right. And so like my, edu- my, my clients, I really focus on the education. I really focus on the communication and then that experience that we have together, that it's that it's genuine, it's authentic, and it's pro, you know it's professional for them to to feel like it's not a convenience. So, so it. that's primarily what I do on the day to day. With COVID, it ha- and enhanced that because we just now are by appointment only, so we don't allow people to just walk in anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps me keep things clean and sanitized. Uh, it helps yeah. me make sure I don't have to like say, "Hey, Sue, John was in here an hour before you, and he had COVID." You know, I don't want to have to make those phone calls uh, because I sanitize everything before everyone comes and goes. So and it hinders so much. It's like our we have a business, uh, commercial cleaning business that we do at nighttime, and where that was one reason we didn't want to get COVID because we're like, like you'd have to call all your clients. You have to, you know, it was one reason we tried to stay as locked down as possible for ourselves Mm because it's like that messes up everybody's thing. I have to go to the bathroom real quick. Is he still got a few minutes? I got plenty of time, dude. Okay, cool. Maybe he's back. Hold on one second. Let's see. All right. I think I'm still rolling here. Yeah. Good. Sorry about that, man. I think too much no, coffee. You're good, bro. My morning's been all crazy. I actually overslept. I usually get up pretty early. And then I'm training for an Ironman. And so I tried to get my workout in and and running around so where are you where are you uh where are you training at um today it was at my house i was in i have a trainer for my bike because it's just too cold to to do it outside so i was working on that and then just did some yoga i'm kind of on like a so i did a half ironman about two weeks ago and so i'm more of a rest recovery period um right now so this week's more just yoga training on the bike and then i i go to the ymca up here in platte county and uh so so yeah, that's where I do a lot of my stuff, and then I need to then come spring, go outside, uh, do some lake swimming, and all that. Wow. It's it's gonna be nuts, that's man. <laughs> the farthest I've swam is I swam eight hundred meters once, that's awesome, but man. it wasn't it wasn't all at once. It was like yeah. run two or swim two hundred and then come back and then right. That kind of but, thing. but but man, swimming is one of those things. If you can go. Most people, it doesn't matter how healthy you are, how in shape you are, going 50, going 50 yards at the beginning is just tough. Oh, it's, dude, it's it's crazy. And when we were when I was getting ready for it, because I was in open, bro, I was in open water, so it was in the ocean. Nice. And yeah, that's and, intense. Uh, I've yet to do that one. That scares me. The ocean part. Dude, so I gotta get was... I gotta get prepped. <laughs> Yeah, it was real, real scary, man. I'm not a great swimmer either. So I, I spent like two months going to Matt Ross every Sunday for three hours at a time just to uh, learn better swimming. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, it's just, it, it's crazy because 
I, I could do all this weightlifting and training and stuff. But the second I'd step in the pool, the very next day, man, you're just, your body shot. Yeah. I was, I was just it's shot a, like energy and like exertion. Yeah, it's an equalizer, like, man. It's crazy. And, it, and like your joints are like, they're not sore, <laughs> but your muscles are sore. And you're like, right. this is so weird. Like, like when happening? I work out, my joints are more sore than my muscles. And now this, this is weird, you know? And right. yeah, it's, it's, but swimming is so good for you. It is. It's, it's really good. And it's funny. Cause I've been, I feel like the training process I've, I've learned a lot about, and actually the beginning of our conversation, uh, you were talking about business wise, slowing down, but getting more like working on more of the details. And it's kind of become a, a lesson in life for me because swimming, you have to go slow to go fast. Like yeah. you literally have to slow your, slow it down and, it, and, and not learn a lot the perfect of energy, form. Not a lot of effort. Right. And the more effort you put, you almost work against yourself and it's all form. And it, yeah, it's made me think through like, where else am I doing this in my life? Cause like running, you can just power through biking there. And there's form to running. Don't get me wrong. You know, this, uh, you've lived that world, but it's just a different level of intensity of focus and form and everything your body has to be doing all the right times and your breathing. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's made me think a lot about my own business, about my art. What are the things, where's the wasted energy um, you know, what am I just powering through when I need to really think it through? Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. But so dude, we, we covered some, some big stuff like yeah. injustice that you're fighting and battling, uh, your brand, um, and what you're building, which is amazing to see. And I'll definitely tag you in all this. One thing you had in there though, uh, and I knew you played uh, D1, uh, ball, but mm -hmm. you were a walk on at K state and, yeah, I, but and I knew that, but then reading, like your a little bit of your story behind that, I was like, oh damn, I didn't realize everything that was going into that behind the scenes. So, so what led you to to decide to walk on to K State, and then what did that journey look like for you um, as a walk on who actually made it? Yeah, um, I'll give you a quick story. So I mean, like. When I was a kid, my grandpa lived right off Browning, which is right next. It's like not even a mile, half mile, maybe, if that, from the stadium. Nice. And I remember as a kid playing football in the backyard of my grandpa, and the radio would be on, and he'd be cooking burgers, and he'd have his, you know, stogie in. <laughs> and, he, you know, we're, we're throwing the ball, and, you know, he's pretending to be an announcer, and I'm catching touchdowns all day left and right in, against air <laughs> defense, you know, and I'm feeling like the bomb. And, and, but I mean, I will never forget this, Miguel. Like I, we, we could, I remember distinctively like what it would smell like, you know, when he would smoke and mm. we'd be grilling, but then I could hear, man, the stadium roar. Oh man. And, and that roar is nuts, man, being know. in that town. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, but it was so crazy because we lived so close and the radio station was so delayed that we actually would hear the roar before the actual like announcer said touchdown. Damn. That's and cool. so like, those are the memories that I actually have. Those were the things that helped me kind of, Oh, like I want to go play there. You know, I want to go be a part of this team. And then, you know, when I was younger, you remember, um, do you remember, um, her name was, I think her name was like Israel Espinosa or something like so. that. Uh -uh. She was a, or Tamara, Tamara Espinosa. She was a Hispanic singer and she lived near the church and she did like 
vocals from time to time. I'm not sure if it was before yeah. or after, but her husband or baby daddy was a football player uh, that played at K-State and went into the semi-pro league. And so we went to watch a game one time. It was me and Josh. I was probably eight or nine. Josh was, he's three, he's three years younger than me. So, you know, five or six. And we're there and we're sitting there in the nosebleeds watching this game. Bill Snyder walks right in, pat, right in front of us. That's crazy. Sits down in front of my drop, sits down right in front of my brother, Josh. And my brother, Josh, is just kicking the back of his seat left and right. Just the whole, like, <laughs> and dude, I'm not, dude, I'm not, like, and I can't, like, I can't say anything, like, you know, I'm too embarrassed and 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 everything. And so like, like Bill Snyder, oh yeah. And Bill Snyder, he just gets up, he looks at my brother and he just moves from one seat over, you know, and, and my brother like doesn't say anything. Game gets over. I get down there and I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry about that. That's my little brother, you know, try to get him to stop all of that. And he's like, oh no, it's all right. No big deal. You know, and that kind of thing. And I was just like, it, I shook his hand. I said, man, it would be a dream of mine to play for you someday. <laughs> So fast forward to 2020, I think is when I walked on. And that process 20, was- To be clear, 20 years when old. When I was 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. when I was when 20 said, years old. When you said 2020, right. I just didn't want people to think they thought it was this year. Yeah. So <laughs> No, 20, yeah, it was 2011 or 2012. My grandma okay. passed away in January. Uh, during Christmas break and I got to go back home and see all the family and I was like man this football season had was was you know wasn't that great and I wasn't enjoying the football program I enjoyed the school I went to Mid-American Nazarene in the late oh, okay. first mm. and that was on a scholarship but that experience was terrible um, because the head coach didn't know that I had seven fingers and so okay. when I got there um, for camp the first day he goes why didn't you tell me you had seven fingers we just offered you a huge scholarship and I was oh. like uh I mean you saw my tape I came down and visited twice it's like I you offered the like, the scholarship man maybe do your like, research if that's a maybe, problem <laughs> maybe maybe your scouting is really not great but you know also yeah that's ridiculous I was an all-state football player so it was just kind of crazy and so he walked, he, 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 uh, he redshirted me my, my freshman year after like recruiting me and been like, you're going to be the best. You're going to be the best. That's crazy. And so that was a pretty big catch 22 for me. And immediately like grades plummeted my energy oh, yeah, and effort and focus to the school plummeted. Like, and, and to be honest, you know, I always tell people like at a Christian school, that was the furthest I was away from the Lord, which mm -hmm. I always think is ironic. Um, right. how, reveal or how that happens i guess well when someone um, says they live by a certain set of values and then they don't display that i mean yes. that's gonna that's gonna make you not be absolutely. a fan of those values so absolutely so so that's where i was leaving um and when i witnessed my grandma passing all the family being around i was like man i just if 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 anything like i i got away from my goal in playing at kansas state university and I, you know, maybe if anything, just need to come back, work for the dad's business, you know, and go to go to school. And maybe by a smidgen of a hope, I get a chance to walk off. Hmm. And I enrolled in the K-State in February. So it was like th week three of school. And they were like, yeah, we'll let you come on, I guess. And so I came in late and, you know, I just continued to bug the program. Like I went and knocked on the door every week at least. 
until I got a date to try out. And then when I tried out, like, I just like, man, I just like trained my butt off for it, you know, with going in the gym, I was going in the gym Monday, like I would have class at K-State, I'd have classes from like my earliest class was like a 710. So I'd have like a 710 and I'd be done by like noon or one. Mm-hmm. And then I go work for my dad <clears throat> in houses. But before that, I would wake up at five in the morning and go train at the rec. And then I would go to class from seven to around one. I'd go, I'd grab a quick bite to eat. I'd be on the job site with my dad from like two to say six, six thirty. And then I get home and I'd, I'd work like yoga, stretching, I'd watch film or anything I could get my hands on for football nice. and just like learn. And so I did that for like a month and a half, four or five weeks, and then had my tryout and walked on. Uh, well, my tryout was unique because they don't allow you to use a ball when you do tryouts. So in NCAA, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't, you can't use a ball, at least in the Big 12. You couldn't throw a football or catch football. So you're just running drills. You're running L drills, okay. you're running your 40, agility, stuff like that. And so I didn't actually know that, but when I got there, you know, my I think it was like like my 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 uh my my workout was like eleven o'clock or ten o'clock in the morning. I can't remember. And, but they told me to show up 15 minutes early. So I showed mm-hmm. up 15 minutes early and I met my recruiter. And that was Joe Gordon. And Joe's like, hey, man. And he, he has this football. And we're, we start playing catch. And I'm like, playing catch with him and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. And we're stre- <laughs> like, I'm stretching and playing catch. I'm, I'm early. He's like, you got here. Perfect. Great. Thanks. And then like, he was like 15 minutes early is cat time. So just so you know, like cat time is always 15 minutes early. That was like a Bill Schneider thing. You show uh, up on cat time. You don't show up on time. You show up on cat time. Okay. And so anyways, we're there, we're throwing this football around and he's like, I've got my back to the complex and he's like, don't turn around. And we're playing catch. He's like, but on the top of the complex, there's a row of black windows. All the coaches in there right now are watching you play catch with me. And I'm like, I better not drop it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so we're playing catch. And that's when he tells me, you know, big 12 guidelines, we're not allowed to use a football during the warmup. So your warmup hasn't officially started. But I want you to know that everyone wanted to see you catch a football. Well played. And so I'm playing. Yeah. So I'm playing catch (laughs) and stuff. And we're just going. And he's like, you're going to crush this. And I'm like, Joe, Joe is my guy. I that guy is the dope man. So. um, So, yeah, that's when I did my tryout. Um, You know, later that week, got a a letter in the mail that I had gotten on the, the squad and I would start in the summer. And so started summer workout programs. And I mean, literally there's a lot of things I will have to say basically that I was not capable of being able to do at the very beginning of like, Mm -hmm. you know, weights and workouts and things like that because of like the hands. Um, But like very quickly within a year's time, like leaving the program, because I was only in the program for a season and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and so being in that program for that long, like, 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 I remember, like, I couldn't do pull-ups without being assist, like without having someone help me. And then by the end, like I was doing 20 in a row, you know, it was like things like that where I was like, oh man, like I learned so much more about myself and the abilities that I could, could do. And then like, you see where you can actually take this thing. Yeah. And the other aspect of it too, and, and kind of the philosophy and part of me that, like has always been instilled is like bro they 
when it came to like positive reinforcement and feedback loops, man, that program, literally you had a trainer handing you water as you're getting water after sprint saying, great job guys, here's some water. Mm. Or and you see, had, that's cool like, to hear. I would have never guessed that that was the case. Sorry, I cut you off though. Go no, you're good. But I mean, that was just the thing. Like there was literally no one around <laughs> that could bring any negative energy into the program. Like it was just mm. not allowed. Like it, it was, it was, it, we were solely there to be like, it sounds really bad, but like praised upon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then, and then like, we were there to, to win games. Like we, we, we did really well in that department with the tradition of the program. And so, yeah, and so like he's had some good years. Yeah. And so like, he was really big on like, let's eliminate all the distractions on Saturday. So let's just go to work on and treat this like a job Friday to uh, Monday to Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. That's a fun time. Like no, mm-hmm. no workouts, no film study. No, let's just go perform, you know? And so that mm-hmm. like, uh, that in the way that he orchestrated, and I always tell people, Bill Schneider was like the best CEO orchestrator I've ever met. Like that guy and his attention to detail. I mean, our itinerary, bro, would be like 947, 937, <laughs> 938. Like it, like to the second he had Damn. everything, you know, down pat. And so, um, you know, you learn a lot being in that program. You create good habits. You could create a really good routine part of that. And part of that was like, I got really blessed when I was younger and in high school, we had a, a former K-State athletic, uh, former K-State um, weight trainer. When Ron, when Ron Prince came to K-State, okay, um, he left and he loved the area, but he didn't want to go coach under Ron Prince. So he came mm-hmm. to my high school nice. and literally my sophomore year to basically now I, I've like in, had it ingrained in me to wake up at a specific time and do specific things at specific time. And it's like, it's kind of weird because if I, my body like has been wired that way that like I could go to bed at two o'clock and I'll still wake up at five. That's awesome. Like, it's just, it's just really weird stuff. It's awesome. And in a, a curse <laughs> in some, some, some regards, you know, because, cause you're just, it's discipline, you know, it, like you're living your life by discipline. Yeah. Um, and so that, that like, taught me a lot and and has been huge you know part of my life and getting me to where I'm at like sports is I and I know your kids are have played sports like it you learn so much through sports about life you know and so I feel like people kind of take that for granted and I I try to do my best not to but I mean like the 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 unique thing that was different about K-State uh and then we can talk about something else but K-State so, so fast forwarding to 20, when I'm 20, right. I go to orientation at K-State for the newcomers. It's the day before the actual first team meeting. And so we're with, we're there and we're with coach Schneider and he just has like real, real honest, authentic one-to-one conversations, just trying to get to know us. Mm. Uh, and they're all one-on-one. And so I'm sitting there and I, I, it's, it's literally his birthday and it was the day we signed a five-year extension. And, and literally, probably most newcomers don't even care about that. They don't even probably know. Right. Um, but I listened to 810 Sports, and that's what they said that morning. So so I'm like, you know, heading into my orientation interview with Snyder. And I mentioned, I say, hey, happy birthday, and congratulations on the, uh, the extension. And I'm nice. like, I'm really glad I'm going to have you for a little bit longer. 
And he just says, oh, well, that was already in the works and thank you very much. And, um, and I, it, because like, you know, that's, he's the CEO, he's always in control. That was just his thing. Yeah. Um, but then I told him, hey, this is gonna be real weird. And I was like, do you remember when this happened? I told him the story about my brother. Uh, he remembered. That's and amazing. he goes, and, and I said, do you remember what I said to you? And he said, yeah, you told me you were gonna play for me one day. And I was just like- <laughs> That's crazy, dude. That's you awesome. You know what I mean? You know, and, and that was like a surreal thing that totally happened. And then the next day orientation, just to give you an idea of the different type of leadership that I was walking into and leaving from Mid-America to K-State was, yeah. when I got to K-State, we had orientation and uh, we had, you know, like I said, a team meeting. And then, and then he uh, says, okay, you know, we get to this team meeting. He's like, I want you to stand up, say your name, your class, what position you play and where you're from. And so I get up, do that. And I sit down he's like, young man, please stand back up. I'm in the back of the room because that's where the running backs sit. And I'm like, oh crap. Like I already messed up. Like, what did I do? <laughs> you're like, damn it. I'm, I'm an example now. I know. Like I was just like, what? And so I stood up in front of everyone because everyone's sitting down and I'm like and I stand up and he goes this young man was made a little bit more unique and different than us but I want he just said I cannot stress this enough we are a family hmm. and we do not cut each other down we do not disrespect one another and I will I'm making it known if you say anything that is cutting this human like him down uh, he goes, this goes across all, all, all staff. He's like, if I hear anything, it's the last, those are the last words that you'll ever have on this as, wow. as a part of this team. And, and he's like, you can sit back down. And I was just like, hmm. whoa, like you just literally set this. I mean, he set the stage yeah. as far as the type of, person that I would be, mm -hmm. you know, I would, I'm already part of it. Like I'm already part of the family. Like we, mm -hmm. we don't have to, there's, there's no hazing with this guy. There's no, like as if there was any at K-State, but right. I mean, at Mid-America it was, I was crab boy on the team. I was literally like the head coach would call me crab boy or the, you know, these players would call me. Really? I'm not, no, I'm not. I mean, and, and I, I had teammates at Mid-America that would not let me touch them with my left hand. I'm I'm not kidding. Like they did not want to be touched wow. with my left hand. And and so like Ooh. yeah, I mean it was it was very different at K State. And that's that's where I realized good leadership, bad leadership, right? And that's when I was like, okay, I'm like legitimately part of a, a program here. This is what's supposed to be like. This is how it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. So listen, you know, listen up. And I, and I learned so much from just that type of leadership yeah. example, you know? And so like, that was my time at K-State where like, literally I created a routine. I created habits. I created great relationships. I still am really close with a lot of the, um, like some teammates and some academic um, advisors that I had back when I was at K-State, I was just talking to one over the weekend for the holidays. I mean, and I mean, when you, when you're in an environment like that, you just, you, you can't be nothing but a sponge. I mean, yeah. you know, and so like, there's so many great memories. I mean, I got to meet so many awesome people and, you know, got to play with like Tyler Lockett and, um, you know, Byron Pringle now for the Chiefs and, and Colin Klein and, 
you know, the list kind of goes on and on of, of great players That's that awesome. are from K-State. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's cool because, um, you know, the other factor that I realized too, even being from Manhattan mm-hmm. was there was so much about the school and the university that I had no idea. There's just, there was just like, literally, man, there were buildings that like, I've probably driven by thousands of times, never been right. in. That like when I was at K-State, I did feel like I was like a visitor to some degree. Huh. Um, and so there was like a nuance of, of a new college experience that I didn't even know existed like in my backyard, you know. And so that was kind of cool. I, I got to enjoy that and, and it was really fun. And like I said, I yeah. learned like a ton of stuff just getting well, to be a part of that program. There's so many lessons, I think, in that lessons of leadership. And it kind of made me emotional hearing that story when I think of just being a father in general. I got four boys and uh, sometimes boys like to shit on each other. <laughs> just just yeah, part of the, no, the culture. Totally. But but they're luckily they all are very supportive of each other a lot of ways, too. But it just makes me think, what kind of culture do I want to build in my own family and, and the friends, the people around me? But I also think they're even kind of referencing our earlier part of the conversation. There's there's this concept where imagine if you didn't take that journey to K-State um, or imagine if you just kept pushing through at Mid-America thinking yeah. this is just this is just what it is. You would have thought maybe life would always be that way. It's, to me, I hear a great lesson in there that that if you find yourself in a, a damaging situation that you can take it upon yourself to remove and that 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 doesn't take away from all the hard parts of doing that. But in the end, it's like, if your environment is not conducive to your growth, you don't have to put up with it. Go find a new environment. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and, and the biggest, the biggest lesson that I would say to put the cherry on top of that, Mm. Miguel is don't turn back. Hmm. Don't turn back. Like, I mean, seriously, like I, I, when my when literally that was the exact phrase my dad said when I was like, Dad, I think I want to transfer. I, I brought it up to my dad. I was like, maybe I should transfer. You know, I, you could use a hand in the business and I could help out here around the house and da 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 da. And he's like, Okay, well, as soon as you do that, you can't turn back. And I and, and I and I really like wrestled with that because you have friends that are actually genuine there and you have mm-hmm relationships with faculty that are genuine there you know i loved the school and i loved the faculty and staff there i just hated the football program and it didn't help <laughs> and you're kind of a big 40, part of of, the, yeah, of your life of my, being part. yeah 40 hours a week was going to that you know yeah. so i i get it you know um but yeah when you make that decision man even even if it's going to be like where you're, you have people that are innocently in the way of that you know that burn like burning that bridge like even though they're on the other end of that and they were good and wholesome for you in that time like you can't turn back to it you know and so that was that was a that was a big lesson that I I had to learn and so it you know I it was it was hard but then you know when I got to come back to Kansas City I came back like in in what you're saying like if I had stayed dude I yeah it's so crazy to think about but that's kudos, oh, one, kudos to you for taking that journey. And that's cool. Don't turn back. Like, I, there's been a lot of wisdom your dad has, you know, put into my life throughout uh, my 20s when I was around your family. And uh, that's cool that he, 
he gave you that. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's funny because it's probably like something he didn't even realize he did. It was just like, hey, like don't turn back, like you don't know, just back. like in passing, like don't turn back, you know, like, like I used to be a bull rider. I that's how yeah. I see life. Don't turn back. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like it's just it was really valuable though because I mean looking at it, I mean if you're looking at anything in your life whether you're looking at a career change or you're looking at even like relationships and how you want to change those or maybe even like end them, you know, like you, you, some, some people like you can manage to maybe navigate that knife and carve out the good from the bad, mm. but for probably most circumstances, like, yeah, you, you probably do have to get out of, out of the way and you have to let that thing go, you know, yeah. and, and that, that can be really hard you know, for sure. That's huge, man. That's a huge lesson. So, well, and man, I'm loving this conversation. I wish I could just keep doing this all day and maybe one day we'll have to get coffee in person and, yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, or, somewhere or around the, like July. Or something. Cause, um, that's something that, I mean, we're, where where I'm looking at, like, um, really making an impact is with the statistic of insurance and that being such a low to statistics for African-Americans to be a part of in the industry is representation right and it's one thing to see it represented on television but to have it actually in your community is a big thing and so mm. part of that and my like kind of like church outreach approach if you will if i was like a, a nonprofit church organization is coffee um coffee is creates community man i mean mm -hmm. people sit down over community uh, over a cup of coffee often um if not that's maybe the sole reason why some people drink coffee um uh, pretty soon you'll have like coffee. Do you drink it socially or religiously? You know, it's like <laughs> at least five to seven times a week socially, and sometimes by myself. Yeah, sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, it'll get to that point. But but I just know that if I owned a coffee shop where my face was local, and you know, coffee brings foot traffic, which brings you know people um, to a business or an, into a, a specific location, mm -hmm. uh, then what good could come out of that? Like, oh, okay, well, there's financial literacy issues. There's parent, you know, parenting issues. There's, you know, business, uh, seminars and job fairs and yeah. so forth like that you could create. And so part of the business and what I've been um, planning on working on is developing a coffee business, uh, in Kansas City, Kansas, that is a coffee shop by day and a resource center for the community by night. And it, that man. being with like school and after school tutoring to life parenting skills and hacks to motivational speakers or, you know, benefit programs and concerts and all sorts of things that I would That's love cool. to do to just, again, like enrich a community that is like desperately needing some of those things. Like, like love, joy and cheer, man. Like, let, let's just spread it. And so, I mean, that's kind of the goal. And, and that's something that um, I've been planning for like the last year. Um, and that's going to be something that's going to be called um, uh, Kinship uh, Cafe for KC. Nice. Um, and it's just, you know, goal again, just to, you know, enrich the community. I'm not like literally like I told the people that I have that are starting to get involved. If you're in this because of the money, you're in the wrong place. Like this isn't, this is not about making more money or just doing, you know, I, I have zero goals financially for this. Like literally one of the people that I've worked with um, is the owner from um, Key Coffee, um, okay. Cafe yeah. Equinox. And um, he's the owner of Balmaeus, the old Balmaeus. And mm -hmm. so he's like, man, we could just, we could, most people don't want to do this, but we could just run the coffee shop for you and staff it and everything. And you just share profits, but most people don't want to do that. I'm like, 
cool. Sounds great right, to me. He's like, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not in it for the money. Like it's not, it's not about the money. And, and, and part of that is like, you know, with business and small businesses and things is I want to, I want to create a culture of selfless leaders, you know, people that want to do good for others just because they can. And, and I don't, especially a world that's like looking for the do-gooders, you know, the people mm-hmm. that are like instilling hope and yeah. saying like chivalry's not dead and I can have hope for humanity because I, someone gave me my $10 that I dropped. Like those <laughs> things actually are important. Mm-hmm. And um, that the selfish leadership tendencies that our president has had in years past, I'm, I'm including right. past presidents even, uh, to CEOs, to influencers in different industries, it's it's kind of a selfish game. And yeah. and I, I just, I don't see the appeal. And so I, I would rather build a culture of people that are wanting to be selfless and impact their communities and make it the world That's hopefully awesome. better when they found it, you know, than when they found it. So, um, you know, so yeah, man. Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh yeah, I, okay. I love I love and I have a love hate relationship with Gary V because I love Gary V for who he is uh, and what he does to the industry, but I have a hate relationship with it because people so many so many people want to act and be like him, and I'm like, yeah, there's only like one you got to be. I've seen some people. I, actually, there's a podcaster I follow. I won't name his name, but I've I've gleaned so many good things from him. But I could tell all of a sudden he started listening to Gary Vee because and so because like Gary Vee is like fuck this fuck like he's just yeah. that's who he is. He's a New Yorker. It's pretty and uh, and the other guy is not. He's from the South and he's always been very like nice. And then all of a sudden he's like blah blah and like saying I was like bro, it's just it's it's coming coming across not authentic. But I, what I love is the empathy piece where he's trying to make it. Like you don't have to be an asshole to run a company, you know. You, yeah, you can actually care about the people that you work for. Or yeah, that work another for another good person is Simon Sinek. Uh, oh yeah, that's I love another Simon Sinek. another great guy. Um, and 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 what I like most about Simon is that he's like, hey man, like I'm not trying to create a movement. Like I'm just Simon, you know, mm-hmm. like. And and that's kind of I, I like the the uh, the authenticity to that because it yeah. just keeps it real and it's just it's like my my agenda is just to live a good life and if people want to like listen to what I think that is, cool. If I get a right, check from it, it, great. If I don't, whatever. Like it, it's cool, but I I just think like the world needs more people like that. And you know, like when you reached out to me and I did some research on, and then you told me kind of what you were doing, like. Like, yeah, man, like, it's awesome. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the, on the show today, but I mean, ultimately like, you know, what you're doing, Miguel is unheard of, like to create a platform to recognize others. What, who does that? Why wouldn't you make <laughs> it about right. you, Miguel? Why wouldn't you, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. that's what the selfish um, business industry podcast world is about right now is, is that. And so it's unique that you're building a platform that you're creating authentic conversations around some really hard stuff and some just like go happy stuff. But at the same time, like you're recognizing people for who they are. And I appreciate that. That's like, thank you, man. That's where the rubber hits the road for a lot of people. And it honestly, it it cuts through all the bullshit. (laughs) Well, thanks. Yes. Less bullshit. That's the 2021 thing. Uh, But you, so you had said uh, great life uh, in there. How, what, what that, looks like for you like trying to live a great life and well i think i think a, I think oh, a large part of it a lot i think a large part of that is time man mm-hmm. it's how you how you want to spend your time 
Yeah. Uh, more people have had more time this year than maybe they are used to. And or they've been having, yeah. And, and, and they've been having to spend their time in ways differently than they ever have. And there's like, we discussed nuances that are really good about that. Mm. And then not some good things where you're like, Oh man, I need to fix this about myself or my business or, you know what I mean? Or we need to pivot yeah. to or whatever. But I think the good life is evaluating your time and utilizing what time you have to do what you think is the most life-giving and that could be traveling that could be spending time with your family that could be making that could be working i mean some people i i am one of those weird people i enjoy working like that's if i don't if i'm not putting my hands to some things and and making things happen i'm not happy yet i i feel you ask me what my hobby is and i i honestly have a hard time answering to like people are like (laughs) what's your hobby and i'm like and they're like like, no, like right, I, no. I really enjoy like putting my mind to paper and trying to look at a business problem that I'm having or a solution that I could make, again, someone's time with me better, right? That experience to be better with working with me, I put my mind to that. And that's kind of where it, you know, these are the results of that. Um, but I, I smile think, just like, because that's what I've, I've told people, like literally up to this year, I didn't even understand the idea of a hobby. I just didn't get it when my friends were into it. I was always told I needed one. I was like, I, I like what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I took up two things that I would call hobbies uh, where I've started training more with like my own weapons and then this Ironman thing. But I'm already, after a year of doing that as a hobby, I'm already like, okay, how can I make money doing that? And how could I turn it into this? And how... <laughs> That's like, yeah, but and, that's, and, that's what I love. That's what I love doing. And that's the benefit. Like, that's the way you're wired in your mind. I mean, I, I think, and I, I always tell people when they do that, like, keep what's sacred and what you love to be what you love and not what needs to be made money off of, you know, and, right. and, and, and like, that, that's to each their own, you know, but I always, I'm always the one person doing the same thing, you know, it's like, I love doing this. How can I make, how can I monetize this or how, like, this how do you something? sustain it? For me, it's how a do I make it sustainable, sustainability. Yes. So. Yes. And, and it's because like your time is, is money. Like it, it, as a father, as a husband, mm-hmm. as a business owner, like you can only be stretched in so many ways with your time yeah. to utilize it, to make sure it's sustainable for not only just your happiness, but also your, your well-being financially. So I a hundred percent agree with you, but I think living the good life or living a good life is, you know, utilizing your time to do the things that you just love most, you know? And, and, and for me, like, I love being around people. I love to to talk with people. I like to um, make sure that um, that you know the four things that I care about in my life. If I die, Miguel, and you go to my uh, my my funeral, if you if you happen to, um, you know, I, I my my four things I want to be known for is I, I want to be known to be a good husband. So hopefully, I get married someday. Uh, a good father. So hopefully, I have kids. Uh, and I would be known of a person that like loved people extremely well, you know, loved people extremely well, not, not just black people, not just white people, not just all people. And then, um, lastly, you know, I want to be a person who's known that I love the Lord. And those are really hard things in this year to honor, Mm. right. In in so many ways, divorce rates through the roof, Mm. abandoned families from, you know, basically fatherless homes, right, are through the roof right now. And then like, who the heck wants to love people? People suck. And then number four, like, is there even a God? I mean, 
2020, come on. Like, so, I mean, all of those things have been tested um, to some degree this year. But I think like ultimately like living the good life is just utilizing my time to just enjoy those things and enjoy the people that I'm around, enjoy music that you get to create, that I get to create, um, spend time with my dog, travel a little bit more, you know, those types of things. So that. that's right. We didn't even like, touch on the fact that you're also a drummer <laughs> and we used to play music yeah. together. So yeah. yeah, yeah, we used to play music together, man. I, I miss <laughs> those days. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and my playing is like definitely, you know, again, it's like, because I know I'm so stretched thin and I have all of these things that I want to either monetize or hop, make it a hobby or, you know, whatever. Like when I give myself an hour to music, like it's, it's not wasted. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm, I'm putting pen to pad, I'm recording something, I'm trying something new, I'm listening to something, trying to get something down. Um, th those are the types of things that I do. And I've been more like working behind the scenes with a lot of that stuff with like, yeah, I put a, I put a, um, like I'm more inspired by other poets than I am to just sit on my, by myself and write. Cause I do that, but it's more like from an interest perspective. But then when I like listen to other poets or mostly music musicians and, and mm. like that art form, that's where I get a lot of inspire inspiration from. So like what it talk it's December. So like, couple of weeks ago, Kid Cudi put a new album out and I've, I've been, been listening to him nonstop for the last week, bro. It's so good. So like all of it. I just, <laughs> I had him on his playlist. I went to the gym sure and I was, was there forever. I, mean, I just can't this, even stop listening to it. <laughs> I, I've been, I kid, you want to talk about dark days and how I've gone through a lot of them. Kid Cudi back in, in mid America time back mm. 10 years ago while I was struggling with a lot of identity and things like that in my life, like there was like, I found so much uh, safety in knowing that like there are people like him who are very estranged to their industry because mm. they're different yeah. and because like they approach it in such a unique way. And in a way, honestly, I, I mean, he would probably say music has saved him just as much as he's, saved a lot of people with music. I mean, he, music has probably been a very therapeutic thing for him mm. and his process over the years. And so I really um, appreciate like his approach towards music. And then just the way that he puts albums together, like stories and yeah. how he, it's just like a huge dream. And it's just like, it's, it's, I was, I was telling someone the other day, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost crazy. Cause I, I'm listening to a lot of his old stuff. Mm -hmm. And the way that he tags stuff back from way back when to now, it's just like, he has to have a book that he's like pulling stuff out of. From he's got the thing in the back where he's just like, oh, it out. he's got yeah, to, because it's just like, it's in, like, it's incredibly powerful. If you listen to solo dolo from the first hit to part two to part three that he just released, they actually all tell a similar timeline and different, it's like different levels of dreams. Yeah. And so it's just Interesting. like, whoa, like, dude, you actually are building upon this one song from 2000 and Interesting. like eight or nine. I have to listen through, through that lens. It's just That'd really cool. crazy. And, and I also, um, his, his approach is more like, uh, it's more like he puts more thought process into a finished project from, from more of the storytelling side yeah. rather than the like 
orchestrating musically like inclined like i mean it's very musically inclined like it's yes. his musicianship great. production is great um but i would say like there's not many there's not many artists today especially in the rap and hip-hop era like genre mm-hmm. that write storytelling albums from right. start to finish you can hear his entire album tell a story well and i think Whereas, that's why like, damn was such a powerful for kendrick was such a powerful album because like start to finish it took you somewhere and honestly uh kanye's album uh a lot of people hated it but i loved it it's the one where he no. is like more spoken word like i i what he said like i will like something like i would kill you uh you better believe me because i don't even like myself and i would kill myself or something like do you remember that where he opens yes. with something like that and it actually it really went somewhere it was kind of a, a flop I kind of for feel a bad kanye for- thing I kind of feel bad for Kanye because I feel like some of his stuff from like 2012-ish to like 16-ish was just way ahead of time. It was just like, I mean, he was challenging undertone, like gospel undertone and like just like like spirituality and, and like all of these things. He was really challenging them like on the, on an underneath level. And you're right. Like, he he it, it's like there's like an internal thought process in his like he's bringing you into his world with his music and oh, it's yeah. not the other way around you know you might not get that world i might not fully understand it totally. because i don't know what's going on in that brain but there was it it took me on a journey i know it's unpopular opinion because that particular album most people didn't like but there was something well, about it that's why i love this that story the, aspect the thing about the thing about um and it's funny because most Christians are like flipping in their graves or they're just like irate about Kanye coming out and loving Jesus. It's like, well, let's let's go ahead and just start calling you fake and start calling your life and your journey with the Lord fake. Because I always have this really hard time. And I was telling someone this. I really have a hard time. Um this like defaming someone's like stake in the ground in the ground like they mm-hmm. they they had to have a moment to literally make this move like this was a momentous moment in their life where they made this decision and they're now saying these things public knowing the repercussions knowing like how people are going to say that he sounds insane and and all of these things and yeah that's all he is you know it's it's definitely it's definitely out there it's definitely out there but i guess my I, thing is i like, definitely I have been guilty of that i just can't I, it's just hard to challenge someone who has had uh this conviction you know and yeah. and, and that's where it's like a, a good story that comes to my mind is like i have a friend that was missionaries and they went they went into the philippines which is a very very like heavy dark magic like area you know like philippines is one of the i think one of the top if not the top where dark magic is practiced and um they would go to these they would go to these places and and you know do these do these revivals and people would give their life to the lord and they would tell them like hey you know where you're at what's going on around you like you're probably gonna die if you claim jesus and 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 all this and they're like yeah i know and and finally like the people were like, they were so upset that they kept getting asked this disclosure. Like, you realize you might die. You really, you know, like the third time. And they're like, Hey, like, 
we we actually saw the Lord and he actually told us this was mm. going to happen. And you just weren't there to see it. And so you can't you can't understand. But yes, we understand we might die. And, and I'm just like, man, no one's going to argue that. And, and so I'm always like, if Kanye had that moment, wh- why, what, what kind of person would I be to argue that? Just like if anyone would argue why you do music or why I do what I do, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, and so I, I always struggle with that. Um, but at the same time, I'm always like, man, I, I, the least I can do is just pray for that man's walk and that the Lord just when continues I, to. And I don't know if it's fully just to argue it. I think there is a good thing to, to always question Yes. Have people at least get people to start thinking about their own experiences and question those things, which is hard. It's it's hard to do that when someone's famous and you're not in that person's circle because they, I mean they don't care what you think, you know. Like, yes. <laughs> and and you don't know the full story either. Where you know I I was making fun of. Uh, it's a different conversation than the spiritual piece, but Justin Bieber song. I'm the new one with him being lonely. I'm like, oh, he's so lonely, yeah. You know, like and making fun of him. And she like, she was challenging me on that. She's like, you don't really know what people's lives are like until you can actually enter them, you know? Mm. And it's like, oh, and to find out where there's some people, I actually know some people who are fairly wealthy um, and they can come across sometimes as like cold. But then the more I've gotten to know some of these folks figuring out they, most of their life is people begging them or asking them for money, not begging like a street court, but like a right. family member being angry that they won't give them $200,000 or a family member, you know, and realizing that most of their relationships came down to money. So it's caused them to put up walls. Now mm-hmm. it doesn't excuse bad behavior, but you, I, I guess the main point is at the end of the day, I really don't know what Kanye is thinking because yep. I'm not in Kanye's circle, but I yeah, do think, so I think challenging, like, challenging thoughts and challenge, having people actually ask questions. Did you experience this? Is this real? Um, is valuable. Yeah. But, but I do think I, like, I definitely see the point in the, in the idea, like it's hard to know what someone's really going, going through what they really think, unless you're sitting down with them and unless yeah. you're in those circles. But he's still, he's still a very, like it, it, from a, from an artistic standpoint, mm. I mean, he's he's like the Van Gogh to hip hop. Yeah. Probably to deny his artistry you is know. insane, yeah, and his influence on all music, not just hip hop. Well, and fashion uh, now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the other factor that it's like, you know, love it or hate it, but this guy's like actually really influential in a lot of different industries, and and not to say that, you know, others others won't be, but like to, 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 to go back to Kid Cudi, I mean, that's, that's where like people like Kanye, people like, um, you know, I, I look back at rappers that were from the nineties and early two thousands before those two. Mm-hmm. And really the ones that you, that stand out are, are like Andre 3000 and yep. Outkast when they really shifted and changed in the early two thousands. But next to that, you don't really have much as no. far as, who was an outlier or different in, in their genre, who wasn't a one hit wonder. Right. And that's like, I love Arrested Development, but they really didn't have much after Mr. Wendell in Tennessee that it came out, but there's something about that. Uh, Wycliffe though, Wycliffe. Wycliffe and Pharrell were also part of their own, you know, their own, um, you know, in their own special box when it came to music 
you know, and I, I, I put Bruno Mars in that too, when it comes mm. to the R and B and because he really brought in like the live music, like he really brought in brass instruments and horns yeah. into his, into, you know, into like his music. And I think that added so much taste that like, uh, to be honest, like I think hip hop and R and B, like they miss on, or they don't, mm. a lot of people don't understand that kind of quality and taste uh, into musicianship when right. you think about like, like I, I like like I, I think of Kanye West and what he's doing right now with Sunday service, right? When he's doing uh, these these huge these huge gatherings, and I tell people like, next to heaven, you'll probably never hear a gospel choir that that good. Well, he's going to surround himself with the best, literally know, the best, yeah. literally the best. That has never been done in the entire history <laughs> of any gospel or like group ever like you know what I mean and so it's just like yeah. that's such a that's such a beautiful thing to see and I I really appreciate that but I, I think with Kid Cudi and those types of people is like I, my only hope is like in 10 20 30 years they're not the afterthoughts like Outcast. they're not the afterthoughts right. of like Wyclef or those other people that we mentioned like they're still pushing the envelope in their industry and hopefully still having some influence um well and that's the piece though one thing check out Wyclef though because like from a political standpoint especially in Haiti uh mm-hmm. making huge impacts um but he kind of shifted I think um but yeah there there's some that just kind of fall off I think I think it's J. Cole um Kendrick like those are going to be people in 20 years that that really come up I, there's some other in a different world but my my oldest loves NBA young boy and he's impacting mm. uh, impacts in a different way, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. different of a vibe. But there's some people that right now I think. No, have but a I mean, like I think those are those are also out. people in that industry that I would have to say are true artists. Yeah. And and that 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 I think another thing, and you please tell me and comment on this freely. Like I feel like mainstream music is changing because there's this battle against produced and then there's this battle against authenticity and like artists approach like the creativity and i feel like it is yesterday it's no longer like a cool thing to try to be the taylor swift or the avril lavigne or the um you know the 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 young money little wayne production like it's it's uncool to be those things anymore it's more cool to just be yourself yeah. And to like have your artistry. And I think some, some people have challenged that. Like um, uh, I, there's, you know, I, I, like, like Kid Cudi, but I was thinking females. Um, well, even Megan the Stallion, it's highly produced, yes. but like her approach online and what she's willing to talk about is, is very outside the mainstream. So I think she brings it. I, you see that, uh, God, why can't Lizzo uh, in her career, it's, yes. it's these different topics that the world's not used to talking about and being presented with. And I think she's living that out, even though it is uh, in a sense, like highly produced, but this I think it's almost so how sad. they carry themselves publicly. Who's the white, who's the white girl that sang the song and won like the most Grammys next to Beyonce? Billie Eilish? Not Billie Eilish, but I was going to mention Billie Eilish because they're also, okay. they're also very authentic. It's, yeah. uh, it, like she had a like her album was all about a breakup and this was like two or three years ago Adele not, Adele oh Adele. yes gotcha Adele Adele <laughs> Adele is one of those people that challenged that you know she yeah. she truly challenged that that artistry and, and another group 
that I also, and I, I, I think those like mainstream, when you're talking about like who you're going to listen to, there's like a battle against mainstream produced and mainstream like creativity artistry. Right. right. And then, and then I think on, on the flip side, you have performance, which I think performance is like leaning kind of more into like your like, well, especially now, like you're more like local stuff, like your local yeah. grunge bands and stuff like that are, are, are still able to stay around. Cause like, dude, black keys are 80,000 a book. Like who's going to pay that? You know what I mean? And, and so, I mean, I'm curious, like, I really like, I, I mean, I'm interested to know, like, I really like instrumental music. Like uh, I'm, I'm a big instrumental vibe guy. It helps me through work. Uh, Cause words make me think too much. So mm -hmm. like, what are some instrumental music groups or people that you like to listen to? If you're just wanting to listen to something like in the background or just like, maybe it's like a musically inclined. Like 98% of the time, like no joke, it's old school Moby. That's what I love. Like, cause I'm the same way. Like, and one, I love like more of the electronic music thing, but um, that's just what I have going when I need to focus on something. Cause because I'm the same way. If there's lyrics, I'm getting drawn into the lyrics. And if there's lyrics for him, typically it's like a loop of a lyric, you know, over mm -hmm. and over again. And uh, he has he actually has some that are all like almost like meditative. Like they're not even fully structured songs. They're like called ambience or something. And I'll, mm. I have two of those in my playlist is what I listen to uh, throughout it. But yeah, I get made fun of a lot because I listen to Moby. No, I just I just appreciate like instrumental music because it's mm. like easy go listening music. But I, I I I there's a local there's a local group I really like if we're allowed to push them. But, oh yeah, uh, you're allowed to do whatever, man. JTL JTL Studios down in Grandview. I've got some okay. really great friends that do work with Musicbed, and uh -huh. um, they're called Utah. Nice. And they have close to a hundred thousand listeners monthly on their Dang. Spotify. And um, and they have maybe it's a thousand. It's probably a thousand actually. And um, and another guy named Ryan James Carr. Okay. Which you've him. probably heard of. He's a drummer. He's a really good drummer out of here in Kansas City. Um, and just put out. He put out his first album maybe last year in the summer. Okay. Um, but uh, for a drummer if you listen to it, you won't actually believe he's a drummer. And the craziest thing about it, it's lo-fi, it's like lo-fi jazz, chill hop. Okay. <laughs> but the drumming so beats, yeah, the, the drumming beats are live. Nice. So I everything he's, yeah, everything is, he's a, he's probably, uh, he might be the most technical drummer I've ever met. Like hmm. he is, Oh, dude, it's it's stupid how technical he is. And he's just here. He's actually he lives here in Mission. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that then, out. And then Wolfpack. What is it? Oh, <laughs> you'll have to send me a link of that one. <sighs> OK, V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K, all one word. You've okay. got literally, bro, it's going to blow your mind. These are small town <laughs> musicians from Michigan. OK, all of them are good friends. They sold out um, the they sold out um, the Madison Square Garden two nights in a row. How do I how? Yes, that's them? why that's that's why I'm kind of like wait wait okay so just give them a listen but bro it is like okay. 
I I can't. It's like Beatles, like the feel good Beatles, like uh, summer in love. Yeah, summer in love, like that. Right, kind of more poppy vibe. More poppy, but then it's got like funk fusion with jazz, nice. with okay, like horns, and so it's like five or six guys who literally wrote like like. The musicianship that they have over off four to charts. five different instruments are off the charts. Like, like we're that's talking awesome. like you hear songs and you're like, oh, that's got to be a female. They must have brought in to sing. All of the guys. It's One just of them like pulled it off. Straight up false. Oh, dude. It's it's just <laughs> like, and, and they have, the, in their group, they have two or three of their like notably like top musicians like they have one of the top bassists um they have one of the top drummers and they have one of the top guitarists in the nation and it's just these and they're just all like good friends and like they do this show on madison square garden it's a youtube show or it's a youtube uh like concert series Mm -hmm. and it's a guy live the entire time on the stage walking as they perform their live set in madison Wow. And it's and it's just nonstop, just unreal, just fun. And they have guys from they have flutes, cellos, they have bassists, upright um, to you know, electric, they have drummers, they have um, they have a a, a Congo, like Jimbe, total Latin American like setup, like all on stage. There's multiple pianos, multiple electric guitarists. It's just like an insane and and bro, like they are like <laughs> so tight it's and, awesome. and they like it's like a living room playset too on the stage and so you see like some guys like playing the trumpet and he's like in the, he's like in a couch and they're just having a good time but they're <laughs> playing in front of like you know twenty thousand people and it's just it, it but but everything that they produce bro i mean from like i think the group's been around since 2012 or 13 okay. but dude they are everything they put out it literally you can appreciate every single thing that they do it's just that's cool if you're if you like music if you like like musicianship it is it is have to so, check them out. <laughs> oh dude it's just one one band for you to check out too is making movies are you familiar with them Mm-mm. they're so they're Kansas city based band um but they've toured all over the place they played for like the president of panama they've been on latin grammys like they're they're amazing and they're doing great things in the city. Enrique, their lead singer, is actually going to be a guest on the podcast here, I think in February he's scheduled. And, but yeah, making oh. movies, music's amazing. But Do, uh, so, so for, are you doing oh, more God. local? Are you doing more local stuff or because I right saw now. like you were at, you were at Mer- uh, Record Bar and were you at Merit not too long ago too? No, I don't think so. Okay, maybe I saw some. Yeah, most of my stuff's local right now. Um, I did, I came off my last, I did a three week tour, West coast, South everywhere, um, back end of 2019 and yeah, just kind of revisiting the business plan of all of that. Cause touring, touring, especially right now is almost impossible. Um, but yeah, it's got to make sense. In, and is that right all now, just, just is that sense. just all under Miguel? Like, are you yeah. just going and doing solo, yeah, just solo or now? Yeah. Just solo now. And then, uh, have a. I'll have a band when it makes sense backing me in the, but 
but now it's just focused on that. Has so. that been, has that been like a good transition? Cause I know you've always like, you've usually traveled in bands and you, mm. you know, you've, you've always had like, a, I mean, the last 10 years, I think you've had a good following of, of people and bands and stuff supporting yep. you. So like what made you change to go into solo or. It's just a reality. We, we got to the end of run with it and what became the end of run with it. And Man, we were busting our ass. We had toured to the Middle East and back, had done some great stuff, released a great Seriously. album. But the reality of of keeping, of being able to pay everybody and even pay myself just became a harsher, harsher uh, reality. And so- Oh, dude, if you had them right now during COVID, <laughs> I can't imagine the stress. Yeah, and that's, and that was just the, that's the tough part of of this industry. So I figured dial it back just go solo. And then when I can, you know, hire one of the guys, like I've, we played gigs together, my, my band before or from before where I've hired them to come like back me up basically as a solo artist, but then financially makes sense. And they're free to go do whatever they're doing. And, and yeah, so it's, it's been weird. Touring sucks when you're solo compared to touring with a band and a photographer, videographer and all that. Uh, so this last tour, that was, that was brutal. I love being, I love being in the different places, but the, the drive, uh, from place to place got really old real quick. So I think if I do some touring, it'll probably be more, um, a lot of my friends who are solo artists are flying in, dropping in, playing a show, flying out. I think I, I'm going to have to transition to more something like that. Uh, if once and if, and all that of how things open up, but, but so for the last question though, if you would, if you could boil it down, because uh, we talked about living a great life, but if you could boil it down, what does creating great things mean to you right now? What does creating great things to me mean to me and look right now? Um, you know, right now, right now, I mean, we're we're gearing up the end of 2020, right? And we had kind of hashed on some things like don't look back, right? There there are some things in 2020 that I think if I'm being honest and things are looking and going good, it's because I let some things go from 2020. Hmm. You know what I mean? And so there's 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 some things I'm still like navigating through and carving. And I think everyone probably probably is doing that to some degree of there's things that you've already like been like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait till next year to let this go and to get it out of my life. Or there's just things that you haven't really, you haven't been able to give a lot of thought towards and, and developing like, do I really need this in my life? Um, so I'm still doing some of that, but I think um, saying goodbye to certain things. Um, and then ultimately, man, I think also a large part of it is just like working with, working and surrounding myself um, around people that are like-minded, you know, I, around people that are selfless, around people that are wanting to enrich their community, their culture, you know, and, and that's a really, really long haul thing. Like that's, it's very hard to do. We, like we've talked, it, it's going to take more than one person. It's going to take more than one day. It's going to take oh, maybe a, an entire lifetime and, and, yeah. and thousands of people to, to do. Um, but it, if there's something that I can do to throw, you know, whatever effort into the direction where our world is becoming better because of TJ Roberts, that's kind of the energy and the focus that I want to do. That's cool. um, and so that's kind of like, I, I 
feel like, um, especially this year, we can all attest that we share responsibility in each other's lives by making sure we're making our each other's lives better, you know? And that from being like, to the things that we post on Facebook, to the conversations that we have, to the, you know, the business that we do with others, you know, that type of thing, how you treat people really matters, you mm-hmm. know? And if, if anything is, is true about this year is that everybody is going through something. Yeah. Um, because we all are, um, whether it's just the schedule of, of what COVID's done to it, to, you know, where you can work and where you can't work and where you can go and what you can do and to what you can't and can't do, like all those things, right? Everyone's going through something. And so if I'm responding to you in a way that's like disingenuous and disrespectful, it's not promoting or helping your life any better than I really, I failed. I failed at yeah. doing those great things, you know, um, or living that that life that that looks great. And so I think like more along the lines of the intention right? The intention of, of what I do with my time, who I spend it with, um, letting the things go in 2020 that, that didn't serve me any purpose or give me any life. Um, and then moving forward to, you know, I got to find more. I got I to gotta have more friends. I got to have more people that are in my corner that are also like-minded, that are also wanting to, because it's not just, gonna, it can't just be me that wants to make this world better. You know, it right. can't just be you or anyone, you know, you're calling people that care about people. And so, um, you know, finding more people like that, that's always going to benefit. And so, um, so, uh, so yeah. Pro- and living, it sounds like creation and living is really about the collaborative process for you. Collaborative thought, man. Uh, mm. I, I mean, a lot of people always like, you know, since you run a business or you do music or something, people are like, how did you do that? What gave you that? You know, everyone's asking that. And I'm always kind of like, stop thinking about it and just do it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that, that's like the, that's the best answer that some of us can give them at this point is, is that we, we, we thought about it, but we didn't think about it very long. We just went out and did it. And so, you know, part of it is that collaboration, uh, the mm-hmm. collaboration. And so I always try to tell people, you don't have to know everything to go out and do something. You don't have to know how to write music to write music. Mm. You can actually hum something and record it. And nowadays with technology, you could make <laughs> Turn a TikTok video out of it. Yeah, like you can <laughs> you can do whatever. Um, but but you know, collaborative thought is a really really um, it's a sacred thing in today's mm. time, um, where you know, like people here on in mission, like, I'm like, Hey Baker, you should go to the restaurant down the street. They don't have dessert. Why don't you offer dessert and throw it on their menu? Like collaborative, like why, why would you not do that? And so, um, I always think like, um, I'll tell people that Steve jobs, like he did not know how to ship a computer from California to Kansas city and stay profitable. Um, but he knew the right people who shared the idea of Apple and their values and helped him create what is, you know, the iPhone and the iPod and so forth. And so that took collaborative thought. So even Steve Jobs, the one of maybe if not the most innovative person in technology, who's created all of these great platforms and things like literally those all came from him sitting in a room around people that also believed in that and they made it happen. And that was collaborative thought. And so I, I challenge people to do that a lot. And, um, you know, some of it's good. And some people are like, well, you know, always get this naysayers and complainers. Well, man, I love it, man. Well, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you giving me time. Sorry, we went a little long, but I mean, it's all good. (laughs) It's been years, (laughs) but, 
But yeah, man, well, thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.